We all face moments in life when what we think we believe and what we say we believe are put to the test. Times when we are given the opportunity to live up to the gospel, the transformative message of grace, love, freedom, forgiveness, reconciliation, and hope. Seldom are these opportunities met without some measure of courageous action on our part. An essential question to ask when reading the letters of the Apostle Paul is this. What is the occasion which prompted Paul to write this? Paul's letter to Philemon is the shortest and most personal of all Paul's letters, a one-to-one -one correspondence with a singular purpose. For most Bible readers, Philemon is an obscure letter about an outdated issue. Given its particular context and content, it is usually passed over as irrelevant to our present life situation. I beg to differ. I think this letter is highly instructive and poses a challenge for all followers of Christ as to what it means to live up to the gospel. Before we look at its content, I want to provide some historical, geographical, and sociological context. Paul is in prison related to the proclamation of the gospel. He's either in Rome or Ephesus. We can't know for sure which of the two locations, but Ephesus makes the most sense given its proximity to Colossae, some 120 miles to the east in the Lycus Valley. Although Paul himself has never been there, he was instrumental in the church's founding through the missionary efforts of his co-worker, Epaphras. Paul sends his letter to Philemon along with his letter to the Colossians. They are sent to the same destination, carried by the same messengers, and at the end of each letter, the same companions of Paul send their greetings. Philemon has a personal connection with Paul, having come to faith in Christ through Paul's ministry, most likely directly in Ephesus. Given the tone and content of the letter, they knew each other well. Philemon holds Paul in high regard, and Paul in turn admires and respects Philemon's faith and leadership, whose home serves as the meeting place of the church in Colossae. Onesimus is the subject of the letter and the reason for its composition. He is a slave from Philemon's household, likely a young man in his late teens or early twenties, who has fled from his owner and the environs of Colossae. From what we can piece together, he has taken some of his master's money or goods as a means of support. Somehow, some way, he comes into contact with Paul. We don't know if he comes to find Paul, was taken to him, or if they met by happenstance, which we would say by divine providence. Either way, having spent time together with the Apostle Paul, Onesimus's life is turned around spiritually and physically. Paul considers him to be a brother, a son, and a servant. Ironic, he uses that word since Onesimus in actuality was Philemon's servant. Now a word about slavery. 
It was pervasive in the Roman world. One in three of Italy's population was a slave, and slaves made up 20% of the remaining empire. The Roman state was built upon this foundation of forced labor. Besides households, slaves served in agriculture, architecture, mines, military, workshops, arts, construction, and in many other services. Inequality in power, freedom, and the control of resources was an accepted part of Roman life. As one historian stated, freedom was not a general right, but a select privilege. Roman citizens held to a cultural superiority and divine right to rule over others and exploit them for absolutely any purpose whatsoever. For them, slavery, therefore, was not considered an evil, but a necessity. And masters held complete control over their slaves. A fugitive slave, especially one who had committed a crime of theft, was punishable by death. The same punishment could be, be imposed upon those who harbored such a person. But this is not the reason Paul sends a letter to Philemon to be handed to him by Onesimus. As we hear in this letter read for us by Gary McLeod, listen for how Paul, Philemon, and Onesimus are being called to enact what they believe about the gospel. Today's Bible reading is from the book of Philemon in its entirety. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. 
So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more thing, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Paul doesn't come right out and say what he wants what he wants Philemon to do, but the hint is hard to miss. He says, I'm sending Onesimus back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent. The name Onesimus means useful or profitable. It was a common name given to slaves by their masters as a good omen in the hope that the slave might live up to its meaning. Twice in this letter, Paul makes a use of the name as a, as a wordplay. First, he tells Philemon that Onesimus was formerly useless to you, but he has become useful to me. Then to this man who has suffered great loss because of Onesimus' theft and absence, Paul requests that Philemon provide him with some benefit or profit. Onaimon is, is the Greek word for profit in this case, a play on the word Onesimus. He is implying that he hopes Philemon will send him back to Paul. Paul asks that Philemon receive the young man back, no longer as a slave, but more as a beloved brother. Paul believes human reconciliation is possible because of the work of Christ who has reconciled us to God. And as a follower of Christ, Paul now tells Onesimus he must be reconciled with Philemon. It is the relationship not the breach of contract as a slave that is on Paul's heart when he writes to Philemon. And Paul reminds Philemon that Onesimus belongs to Christ and must be treated accordingly. Onesimus believes forgiveness is possible. He has experienced God's grace, Christ's forgiveness, and what freedom means. Yet true freedom eludes him until he returns to ask forgiveness of his master Philemon. The wrong of his past remained a weight upon him until Philemon is able to lift it from him. His vulnerability as a fugitive will give way to a vulnerability centered in the gospel and one that will bring him into the presence of Philemon. He trusts that the faith he and his master now share in common has real implications 
for their future. And Philemon believes his rights as a Roman citizen are subject to the lordship of Christ and the demands of the gospel. Paul appeals to the Christian value of honoring a brother in Christ over recovering whatever loss he might have suffered from an irresponsible servant. Philemon will swallow hard when considering what is being asked of him, given how it might affect his other servants in his household, as well as those who hear of his actions in the wider community of Colossae. Because each of them believed in Christ and the meaning of the gospel, they took risks to believe in one another. I have three concluding pastoral observations. First is where do you find grace? Many of us, like Onesimus, have to turn our faces from home in order to experience God's grace. It wasn't until Onesimus was in trouble, on the run, desperate about his life, that he came to faith. One way to know how to pronounce his name is to say, one who made a mess of this. God's grace finds us where we are, accepts us for who we are, and then transforms us into who Christ is. My second observation is this. If the biblical story is one of justice, of God putting right what has gone wrong with humanity and the world, then why didn't Paul address the injustice of slavery? Paul does not return Onesimus because Roman law demanded he do so. In fact, Deuteronomic law states, you shall not give up his master, a slave, who has escaped from his master to you. He shall dwell with you in your midst and you shall not oppress him. Paul certainly could have acted according to this divine authority afforded him, but instead he says he did not want to act without Philemon's consent. He honors Philemon's choice. In returning Onesimus to his owner, Paul appeals to Philemon to act on his own free will but in a way that lives up to the gospel. Slavery is not the problem Paul addresses, but as a missional pastor, he challenges Philemon and the Colossian church to live up to its calling as people of faith with transformed hearts and minds who relate to one another in a new way. In his Wednesday evening class, God's Justice, God's People, Tim Stafford had this poetic observation about Paul's response to slavery. Tim said, Paul does not rock the boat like a revolutionary, but he is drilling holes in the boat's bottom. I love that. It's not the institution of slavery Paul addresses, but the relationships of Christians toward one another and those created in the image of God. The power and principles of the gospel proved to curtail slavery's abuses and in doing so ultimately destroyed the thing itself.
the institution itself. And finally, my third observation is this. Our love for God is forever being put to the test by our response to opportunities to show love toward others. We will either choose them or deny them. One is no more or no less spiritual than the other. In essence, Paul tells Philemon, the offense is not the focus. God's redemption is. Philemon has to swallow his pride in order to do what Paul asks of him. He must accept Onesimus as a brother and that he belongs to God and must be treated not as a slave, but as a brother in Christ, as one who is useful and profitable and in the higher sphere of service in which he and his master are on common ground. I liked this quote of Thomas Merton, which I read in the Catholic Charities newsletter this past week. No doubt placed there by uh, John Pavick. Our job is to love others without stopping to inquire whether or not they are worthy. That is not our business, and in fact, it is nobody's business. What we are asked to do is to love, and this love itself will render both ourselves and our neighbors worthy. In other words, if we truly have incorporated and inculcated the love of God, then, we will, then that love will be evident in our relationships toward one another. Love that lives up to the gospel requires that we not give up on one another, that we work through difficulties and struggles by praying for one another, that we take time to listen and seek out understanding of what we might not want to hear from one another, and by staying committed to one another as mutual followers of Christ. The fact that the letter survived is evidence that Philemon followed through with Paul's plea. Otherwise, had Philemon refused to welcome and pardon Onesimus, the letter would have been undoubtedly suppressed and destroyed. The reconciliation of Philemon and Onesimus becomes an enacted parable of the gospel. God's purposes of justice, salvation, wholeness, and loving fellowship breaks into our world of sin, suspicion, anger, pride, and fear to make our lives whole and new. May it be ever so true among us. Amen.